Such a blessed morning already, amen, except for me getting things out of the loop a little bit, but <laughs> we'll have a good word for you today. I hope you're ready. I'm starting a mini-series uh, called The Good Work, and uh, I believe that Faith Builders is going to a very special place in this upcoming year, and that God significantly has his hand on it in a very unique way, and uh, the Lord has really spoke to me that all of you that attend here at Faith Builders, that God has placed you here for such a time as this, and that there's something in you that God wants to do. Say, God wants to use me. God wants to use you. And God will always pick, and let me encourage you with this, God will always pick ordinary people. Sometimes we have it messed up that we think God's going to pick these big people or these called people or big names or wealthy. But what God is going to do in this hour is he is picking his church. I strongly believe that this is a time it's not going to be, I'm not going to say there's not going to be big names, but it's not going to be about the big names anymore. It's not going to be about popularity. God's going to be using the church of Jesus Christ, and that means he wants to use you. And I believe that God wants to stir up his church in this hour. I believe God wants to activate every one of us and the gifts and callings that are, are on the inside of us. And the season that we've gone through in the world and in the churches, we've gotten very complacent, not on purpose, but we're living in a time where it's been difficult to dream. It's been difficult to have hope. We look at what we see, and it's hard to really see a future and what we can believe God for. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to promise you, that the church of Jesus Christ is going to arise in this hour. It is a great hour of the church. And right now, the church all over the world has literally been shaken. It's been shaken, and I believe God's had his hand in part of that. And so God is calling his church back together to get our, our hearts on fire once again, to get our focus back on the kingdom of God, activate the gifts of God that are on the inside of us. I'm here to encourage you this morning that you were born for a purpose. And you were born to do something that's going to change eternity. I believe God's called every one of us to do something that matters and that's going to last for eternity. So what I'm going to ask you to do today and the weeks to come is open up your hearts and be willing to say, God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do through me? What's the things that you were born here on earth to be a part of in this moment? Because it's such a time as this moment in the kingdom of God. And God has called all of us here at Faith Builders to play a part in the big picture of the kingdom of God. And you may feel like your role would be insignificant. Maybe you would feel like you don't have a lot to give. But I'm here to tell you this morning that every part that is played in this church is important for pushing forward the kingdom of God. And if you're not in your spot, if you're not in your place, if you're not doing your purpose, it's like the cognitive wheels. Is it cognitive wheels? I don't think that's the word. But the wheels can't connect together and begin to move the way that they're supposed to move because you're important, the part that you play. Now, as you begin to open up and ask God, what am I supposed to do in this season? What's my life's purpose? A couple things are going to happen. Some really great things are going to be launched in your life. You're going to step up and you're going to do some things that you never thought you would do. But I also want to warn you this morning that as you really step into and say, God, I'm here for this season. Here I am, God, use me. I will be your hands. I will be your feet. I will be your mouthpiece. Whatever you want me to do, God, here I am. And when you make that kind of declaration to the Lord, get ready. Because the enemy doesn't like for Christians to stand up for their faith. 
And honestly, neither does the spirit that's in the world today. So if you're going to stand up, yes, a lot of great things are going to happen, but the enemy is going to be hard on your tail, and he's going to bring things, or maybe it's already happened where you feel rejected. Maybe you feel like a failure. Has anybody felt like a failure in this season? I can raise both my hands so you don't have to be shy. We feel like we're just trying to get things done and trying to make things happen, and God, where are you, and, and what are you doing? And maybe when you step out and do what God's called you to do, there's a loneliness, or you doubt yourself. Or there's a discouragement that comes. I'm telling you, the enemy is not going to let the church press forward and do what we're called to do without a little bit of resistance. So we have to be willing to say, I'm here. I'm called. I have an assignment. I have a purpose here on earth. And the devil can throw whatever strategies he wants against me, but I'm not quitting I'm not going anywhere. I'm not losing my hope. I'm not losing my joy. I'm here to do what God's called me to do. And as the church, we have to get that righteous anger against the enemy that's trying to destroy our soul of discouragement and failure or being misunderstood or being criticized or being mocked because we're living in a time of the world that not always sharing our faith or doing what God's called us to do is going to be looked upon positively. We, we live in America, so we've been blessed. We, you know, we've been blessed with prosperity and favor, and, and we've been able to have the church of Jesus Christ, and we've had the blessings to lay hands on the sick and see miracles, and we see people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and having church was easy a few years ago, but right now, stepping up for your faith, stepping up in boldness may be criticized, and it may be mocked, and I'm here to ask you, can you do that? Can we be the church of Jesus Christ no matter what comes our way? Are we going to stand strong and are we going to stand faithful and are we going to push through this resistance of the enemy right now? Because on the other side of that is going to be a revival that the world has never experienced. Your latter days will be greater than your former days. I haven't seen the greater in the latter, have you yet? I'm going to bring a message in a couple of weeks, but I'm telling you, God's spirit is coming to this earth and to this world, and the devil's just trying to reveal himself before his time. He's premature and is coming and trying to destroy this world, but God will have the final say. And the church will arise, and it will be glorious, and it will be mighty, but it will be by a body that will come together in the unity of the faith, saying, God, here I am, use me. I'll do whatever it takes, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do in this hour, even when I don't want to do it. Because there's many times God will ask us to do things we don't want to do. Does it to me all the time. You know, I shared in first service when I, I, at my dad's church in Wisconsin, I was a youth pastor for, I think it was only four years. It might have been eight years. I think it was eight years, actually. Time goes like that. And uh, then I moved here to Arizona, and I ended up at a church in Mesa, and they asked me to be the youth pastor, and I said, no, thank you. I don't want to be a youth pastor again. I don't want to teach teenagers. I, I'm too old for this. I'm too tired for this. I don't want to do it, and I wrestle with the Lord. And you know how, how God will speak to you, that still small voice is something he wants you to do, but your flesh is so much greater. It's like this battle of what you know is right and what you don't want to do, and you're fighting with each other. Well, that's the big spirit that's happening in the world today. There's a wrestle of the Holy Spirit and the devil's assignment, and there's a wrestling going on, and that's what's happening inside of us. And I was like, God, I don't want to do it. I'm tuning my ears. I don't want to do it. I'm not called here to do that. I don't want to be a youth pastor. And I, had, I had every reason 
that was in my reasoning why I did not want a youth pastor. And they were really good reasonings, I figured. And I was sitting in the back of that church one night, didn't know nobody. I was brand new to the city, brand new to the church, didn't want a youth pastor. And I was murmuring and complaining to the Lord. And it got real quiet. And the Lord said to me, would you do it for me? And I'm like, that's not fair, God. You, sh you can't do that to me. <laughs> would you do it for me? Because God realized that I would be obedient. God realized I would step up to the challenge. God realized that I would do what it takes to reach the heart of those teenagers. No matter what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, it didn't matter. God chose me. And I said, yes, Lord, I will do it. I don't want to do it, but yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. And I learned at that moment that God has my yes before I even ask. Yes, God, I don't want to do it. But you know what? I took a youth ministry that was broken, had been betrayed by, uh, by, their, by their team leader, by their youth pastor. They were broken and wounded. And we grew that ministry. We won them to Jesus. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. We took them on a missions trip. We taught leadership training and changed the lives of those young people forever. And the only reason why I said yes is God said, will you do it for me? And I believe that's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this season. There's going to be things that he's going to put on the inside of us to take care of his house. There has to be a zeal for the house of the Lord once again. There has to be a hunger for the house of God, a hunger to take care of God's people, taking care of the babies, taking care of faith kids, nursing these beautiful babies and holding them and singing Jesus to them, loving on the lost as they're walking out of their cars and bring, being a bright light and a beacon for Jesus. Every Everything we do in this church is significant to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And we have to say, God, am I willing to stay faithful when I don't feel like being faithful? Am I willing to do what I don't want to do, but I know you're asking me to do? Why? Because it's going to affect someone's life. What God's asking you to do, your piece of the puzzle, your cog in the wheel, that's what it is, the cog in the wheel. Your cog in the wheel is important because you'll reach someone's life by what God's called you to do. And if we don't step up and be the church and ask God, what do you want me to do in this season? Not just in this house, which is important, but the call of God that's on your life. God wants you to do something significant, amen? Why? Because lives are on the other side of that. God will use ordinary people, and he's called us to do the good work. And I'm going to share with you this morning about a story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And, and Nehemiah had something inside of him that God called him to do, but listen, God had to wake it up. Because Nehemiah was just living his life. Nehemiah was a cupbearer before the king. He was doing everything he knew to do. But God visited him and woke something up on the inside of him. And I believe God is calling the church to wake up. No longer does he want us just to get away with living in the world for our own little selves. It's time to wake up and hear the call of the spirit. What is God stirring on the inside of you to do for him? For his kingdom and for his people, no matter what it is. So if you look at Nehemiah 2.18, and we're going to go through this scripture, quite a few of these scriptures, but it says this. When he got the call from God, it says this. So they began, everybody say it, the good work. There's a good work for Jesus coming. There's a good work of God coming for the kingdom of Christ. And I want to ask you, are we hungry for it? We have to ask God, stir me up in this hour. 
stir up my heart, stir up my complacency, stir up any apathy that's in my heart. Get rid of the fear, get rid of all the garbage, God, but awake something on the inside of me. My title this morning is called, When You Can't Take It Anymore. And what I mean by that is the opposite of what you think. When God puts something in your heart for the kingdom, you can't take it anymore. you got to rise up and do what God's called you to do. And I believe there's going to be this righteous um, uncomfortableness, which I'm going to bring a message in two weeks that I believe is timely for the kingdom of God. But God is making us uncomfortable in this season, and we don't like it. But one thing about Nehemiah that I love when you study him, Nehemiah wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a warrior in the front lines of battle. He wasn't even a king. He was an ordinary person. God wants to use ordinary people. Listen, God wants to use you. You sitting here to do something great for him. And even if it's just praying for somebody at a gas station, if it's just loving on somebody in your neighborhood, if it's just checking on someone and making sure they're okay and giving them the phone call, whatever it is, God wants to awaken something on the inside of you. And when he got visited by God, when God spoke to his heart, he heard and saw something that crushed his spirit, something that broke his heart. And when his heart was broken by what he saw and what he heard, he was compelled to make a difference. And I believe God is doing that in us. When I was uh, 17 years old, I was driving to school, and I, I work, uh, went to school on the west side of the town. The west side is the west side everywhere, just so you know. So it was a little sketchy. And uh, I was driving to school, minding my own business, and I look on the corner as I'm driving to school, and there's this young prostitute that's standing on the side of the road. And for some reason, that just crushed my heart. It just crushed me, and I thought, how can this young, beautiful girl be on the side of the road giving her life away to men to abuse her and the brokenness and the shame that accompanies all of that? And I remember that trust crushed my heart so deeply. And all the way to school, I, I imagined picking up this young girl in my car. I picked her up and I put her in my car. And I brought her to my home. And this was a real imagination. It was like it really happened. And I put her in my car and I brought her to my house and I got her a really good shower and I put some pretty clothes on her. And I began to tell her how valuable she is, how much Jesus loves her, how much Jesus wants to heal her. And then I took her to church and I saw her in the blue pew because they had pews back then. And I saw her in the pew, and she was worshiping God. She had her hands in the air, and she was freed, and she was delivered. Something inside of me said, that's what we got to do for the broken people. And I was crushed on the inside. Now, that was my place of crushing. And so today, as I pastor, that's why I'm so hungry when we have our church. It's not about a mega church. It's about changing lives. Why? Because God crushed me. It broke my heart. And I'm compelled to this day to see lives change for Jesus Christ. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll spend whatever money is necessary. Why? Because the world needs hope. They are broken. They are discouraged. They are empty, and they need healing. That's my compelling. That's why I pastor. That's why I'm able to get up against everything that comes against me, everything that the enemy wants to throw his way towards pastors and the church right now. I don't care what they think about me. I don't care what the enemy tries to plant within my soul. I know the compelling force of God that I've got to do what God's called me to do. 
And we need to have that again. It's like we got to go back to our first love for God once again. We've been married to God way too long. And we are too familiar with him. It's time to go back to our first love. We got to go back to when we first came to him. We got to go back to when we would do anything for Jesus. We'd give it all away for God. We'd, we'd give our time. We'd give whatever it takes so that we could touch and reach people for Jesus. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is going to look like in this hour. It is not going to be about popularity and fames and positions. It's going to be about the church being the church and having a heart of servanthood because that's really what it's all about. Amen. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to king, the king of Persia. He was a man, obviously, he had to have integrity. He was trustworthy. He had access to the king's confidentiality. Every time they would pour wine, it would first go to Nehemiah's lips. Can you imagine having that job? Like, I better have some good security on this job right here. <laughs> good insurance. I need a good payment plan if it doesn't work out, right? So this is how he was. But he, he was a servant attending the needs of a king. And that's what we have to get. We have to be servants attending the needs of the king. What do you have need of, king? Whatever it is. It's not too big. It's not too small. Whatever you ask of me, here I am. And one day, Nehemiah was just living an ordinary life, and he heard a conversation. And I want to read this to you, Nehemiah 1, verse 2. It says this. Hanani, excuse me, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Now, what is he talking about? Jerusalem had went into Babylonian captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar 140 years earlier. Now, I want you to think about this. Nehemiah wakes up one day and he asks about the trouble of his people. Something that happened 140 years ago, he woke up wondering, where are they now? What is going on in their life? Are they okay? Are they eating? Are they able to pay their bills? Do they have a job? What was he asking? Is everything okay with the people, God's people? We need to arise and say, God, is everything okay with your people? Is everything okay with the families that used to attend Faith Builders Church? Are they okay, God? Where are they? Are they hungry? Do they have a job? Do they need care? Do they need love? We need to ask God the questions. God, what do you need for the people? He didn't have to ask this question. This, these, this trouble came 140 years prior to him, but something inside of him was beginning to stir to find out what happened with the people. He asked the question, and when he asked, he found out that Solomon's temple had been destroyed. It had been burnt to the ground. The entire building wasn't rubble. Listen, the gates were burned going into that beautiful place of worship. Nobody was in protection. Everything they knew was destroyed. To me, that sounds a little bit like today. Nothing we know is normal. Everything seems to be destroyed and in rubble. Where do I find God now? Where do I dream now? What is my plan and my purpose? Everything is vulnerable and it's scary and it seems like there's no hope and a future. And that's where the heart of these people were. And Nehemiah began to be stirred by God. Hmm, I wonder if there's anything I can do about this God. And he asked about them. Now what happened decades later? 
50,000 Jews moved back to Jerusalem, and they said, I don't care what we have to do anymore. We are going to rebuild the house of worship. We're going to do what it takes to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that our God will have a place to worship and the people of God can come together. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. So look what happened in Nehemiah 1.3. They said to me, when he asked about them, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. Why? Because the walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Listen, the, the believers, the Israelites, who were always protected and guarded by God and directed, there was no wall for them. There was no protection. They were vulnerable to the enemy. They had no leadership. They had no direction, no confidence, no plan, and no hope. And that's where I feel like the heart of the church is, not this church, but the church. We feel so vulnerable. Where's the leadership? Where's the guidance? I, I, I called my, my dad, my mom and dad, and I said, what are the prophets saying to the church? Because I don't hear anybody talking about the church. I know it's in my spirit. I know what the church of Jesus is about to look like. I know revival's coming to America. But where is the leadership to tell us where we're going? And I said, fine, God, I'll be the mouthpiece. I'll tell them. I'll step up there. Yeah, I may seem insignificant. I may seem like nobody, but I know this, I know this compelling that's in my spirit. There's an awakening happening on the inside of me. It's time to rebuild the walls of worship in the city and in the cities around the world. The church looks disgraced and we look troubled, but we are not if we come together. And we say, God, we are in one mind, in one accord. We are focusing on rebuilding Jerusalem back to its original state. Amen? So let me ask you this. How do you begin the good work? How does it start? How do we get there? Because we're in this state of mind that we're in, and problems have brought us here, and they're still, like, they're still taking our breath away of all the things that are happening in the world. And the first thing that you find with Nehemiah, number one, is he sat down and cried. He sat down and cried. If you look at Nehemiah 1 verse 4, he said, when I heard these things, when I heard that they were in disgrace and trouble, I sat down and I wept. This would have been so easy for Nehemiah to just go, well, not my problem. That was a long time ago. But something inside Nehemiah, like what happened with me and that prostitute, broke him and he wept before God. He heard these troubling things, and he was broken. He could have just shook off the bad news. He could have just swiped left. Come on, somebody. His life was good. Actually, it was great. He had all the king's food, delicacies. He was living good. He had fine linen. He did not have to give up his life of, of comfort. But something inside of him said, I've got to take on this mission. He saw a need, and he chose to say yes. Amen? He chose to push in. Listen, he took something from his head and he put it in his heart. We've got to take these things that God wants to awaken something on the inside of you in this season. Every one of you has something so special in you. Every one of you have a part to play. What is it? Let's awaken that thing. 
Let's allow the Holy Spirit to come out like a mighty roaring lion in this season and say, God, what is it you have for me? What is my assignment? What is your plan? Maybe it's children. Maybe you have a heart for children and you want to see the love of God and your heart is broken for bullied or neglected children or orphaned children. Find a place for what God's called you to do with the children. Maybe, and this is one of my hearts, and we have Celebrate Recovery, is maybe you have a heart for those who are bound by addiction and controlled by pornography and perversion and lust, and they're bound and locked in this world that they can't find freedom. Is that your passion? God needs to bring back that passion once again to ignite you to do something for the kingdom of God. Maybe it's homelessness, or maybe it's feeding the hungry, and, and that just burns within your heart. Let's not be the church that looks away. Because, listen, it seems overwhelming. Where do the needs start and stop? Yeah, I just heard about um, Haiti this morning. I didn't even hear about it. It's like, it seems overwhelming. We don't have to do it all. We just do our part. Just my part. And when you begin to step out into your passion, you begin to do things that God's called you to do, it ignites a fire in you. You don't need to put it on Facebook. Go feed the homeless. Get a cooler in the back of your car and a bunch of ice and water and don't throw it at him. I was going to say throw it at him. Don't throw it at him. Put together a nice little bag. You know, get out. You know, this is from Jesus. Jesus wants you to know he loves you. He died for you. And they'll say, God bless you. It don't matter. Give the gift of life away. When the church begins to do things like this, when you begin to say, I'll serve in the children's ministry, I'm going to teach the babies, put me on that calendar, let me rock those babies while that unsafe family's in there giving their heart to Jesus and changing their life forever. Let me greet at the door if I can be a sunshine to somebody who was about to have suicide, commit suicide last night, but they saw my smile and they shook my hand and I'm telling you, they came to me later and said, I was going to kill myself, but your love delivered me and set me free we have to be the church there is nothing insignificant that you do in this house that isn't going to change someone's life beautiful ushers they walk around they spray the chairs that's not insignificant somebody walking in here who is afraid goes i feel safe now wow okay I can come in and their heart's not worried and troubled every part god says that there needs to be a zeal for my house once again but we're all, we're scattered everywhere instead of coming to take care of his house, amen. Resources for the kingdom of God. Some of you would have a, an anger that we can't take care of situations and pay situations. And you have a hunger to fund the kingdom of God and resources. Ask the Lord to put resources into your hand. Ask the Lord that you're blessed to be a blessing if your heart is to give to God, amen. Another thing that is strong in my heart is Bibles. I love that people get Bibles. I love that we could send Bibles wherever they need to go. And, and I was talking, my sweet friend Kedron down here, she knows of this ministry. And I quickly got some numbers from her. Wasn't even at ministry. Faith comes by hearing. And they translate the word of God in other languages. And uh, they say, they've said that there's about 5,000 known languages that they know of in the world. And so as of today, they have translated the word of God into 2,500 different languages. That is amazing. Yes. Oh, so it's vocal. See, that's so awesome. They put it in their language so they can talk it. 
That's so that's even better. And it could be a tribe of 15 or a community of a million, but they have a heart. They've been awakened. Well, can you imagine being able to send them a bunch of money and say, go get the rest of them taken care of? Go do what you got to do. They have 2,500 more heart language, I think they call it, to translate. And they want, listen, their goal is by 2030 is to have the Bible in every heart language available. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because everybody has to know the gospel before Jesus comes back. Everybody's got to know the truth, and if we don't speak their language, how do they know truth? Well, we got a ministry working on it. Faith comes by hearing. I didn't even know it until I met my, my, we were having lunch one day, and she told me. That's amazing. Somebody said, I've got to make a difference. There was a compelling on the inside of them, not to, for fame and popularity and likes. No, to change the world. Amen? Maybe some of you have a heart for the unborn. Are women that have, have made mistakes in their past, and you can love them back to life. Whatever it is, there's something on the inside of you, amen? Let God crush us, not in a bad way, but, Lord, the word says, trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. God, in this season, trouble my heart. What do you want me to do? I will be a, I will be a faithful servant in the house of the Lord. What do you want me to do, God? I remember sitting in a Wednesday night service at 17 years old at my church in Rockford, Illinois, and they'd be like, we don't have any uh, workers for the Wednesday night program. Does anybody want to volunteer? Well, first of all, it's sad. There's no volunteers in the house of the Lord. And second of all, I always stood up and went straight back to the children's ministry and served. They needed help folding the bulletins. Not, don't really like doing that, but I'd go take care and fold the bulletins. I just didn't like cleaning day. I didn't like to clean. I'll just be honest. <laughs> I'm not called to everything, hallelujah. But my point is, if, the, if you're asked to serve in a capacity, right now this church is about to explode, and I'm going to share some great news at the end of our service, but this church is getting ready, but it is going to tilt on us being ready to do what God's called us to do, being willing, willing to go all in, give of our time, give of our, you know, our resources, give of our emotions, being willing to say, God, here I am, whatever you want. The second thing that Nehemiah did real quick is he knelt down to pray. Nehemiah 1.4, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I believe God is calling the church to prayer. Now listen, I've, did, I've done a three-week uh, series on our podcast on Wednesday nights called Prophetic Prayer. So I would love for you to listen to that. I have a fourth one coming up this week. But it really teaches you biblically how to pray. I mean, really to get results. I really took some time to, dig, to do this study and put it together. And even last Wednesday's was just like one of my favorites. So we have to learn how to pray. It's not about saying a lot of words and it's not about shouting and emotions. No, we want effective prayers. Nehemiah didn't go in a closet somewhere and shut the door. He didn't have time. But when he had a problem, he was constantly talking to God about it. And listen, things may seem overwhelming to get results, but all you need is God. God plus you is the majority, hallelujah. That's all you need. God in prayer covers all things, amen? If it's big enough to cry about, you better start praying about it. If God breaks your heart for it, you better start praying about it. And even in my own personal walk, I tell you, God keeps nudging me to get in this sanctuary walk and pray. And if I can't get here, which I prefer, I do it at home. And I'm going to be honest, I don't want to. My flesh doesn't want to pray. I, I don't want to dig in, but what? Something broke me, and I have to pray. I have to hear the voice of God to get in here and pray because one goes with the other. 
when you learn how to pray. So Nehemiah 1, 5 through 6 says this. Nehemiah cries out to God, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. What do you hear in his prayer? He's confessing his sins to God. He's confessing the sins of the people. He's reminding God of his promises and his faithfulness. And what did he do? He went to Nehemiah and he asked for permission. I went to the king and asked for permission. But something about his prayers, and I'm, I'm trying to cut it up a little bit so I don't take too much more time, but something about his prayer reflected the way, affected the way that he believed about God. And his prayers was this. His prayers were not, God, bless my food, which is good. His prayer went, Lord, let me have a good day, which is good. His prayers were deeper. His prayers was, Lord, move me. Stretch me. Use me. Empower me, God. There's something about this hour that God wants to move in healings, signs, wonders, and miracles. He wants you to do that. He wants you to meet the needs of other peoples that's in, in this world and in this community. So what did he do? He sat down to cry. He kneeled down to pray. And the third thing that he did was stand up and act. God is asking the church to stand up and act. Do what God's calling you to do. And that's the only thing I'm asking as your pastor in this season. This church is going to shift in a very significant way. And it's going to be powerful. But I need you and God needs you to step up in the place that God needs you in this season. And all I ask is you ask God, what's my part to play, God? If it's in servanthood with the children, if it's to be in the media or the lights, if it's to be in the sound, whatever it is that God is speaking in you, stepping out, and not just in those capacities, but in many, many other capacities. People are hurting in this season. Their walls are down, and their hearts are exposed. And Nehemiah said this, I can't just sit around and do nothing. And I believe that that's what God's saying to us today. People are hurting. Their walls are down. They're vulnerable. And we can't sit around and just do nothing. Amen. And you may think, man, I'm too busy. I don't have time. And these are really honest, true things. But we may think, I'll just let somebody else do it. I just, you know, I got all this going on in my world. Or if you knew my life, God wouldn't want to use me. We have all these reasons. But if God is speaking to you, he's chose you. God always chooses the people who feel like they're not worthy. So if you feel like you're not worthy, you're chosen. <laughs> I can tell you that. You're chosen. And there's something inside of you that God wants to awaken this season. I'm going to ask you this morning to go ahead and stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask you to move to the front of the altar for me. I'd like the church to come together and just this unified moment, I want to share some things with you and share my heart as your pastor. If you can make your way. I know some of you, if you can't, that's great. Hallelujah.
come on into the, squeeze on in everybody. I just want everybody to get in. This is just such a unified moment. I want us to be together just in one heart, one mind. Something really special is coming to this house. And God's been really speaking to my heart. And this church, Faith Builders, is not Barb Pruitt's church. It wasn't just my idea one day to take over. This church was launched by our apostolic covering, Bishop and Pastor Gloria. This is a God-called church that's called to make a difference in this community, called to make a difference in the world. We are a lighthouse in this city. And God wants us to come together as a church and get excited about that, get in one mind and accord about that. And I've been really talking to the Lord about the direction of the church and God, what would you want? And I've been that person where God's been speaking to my still small voice and I've been wrestling with, with my flesh. But God has really spoke to me that in two weeks, we are going to combine both of our services into one house of worship. God wants us to come together as one house of worship, one moment for the Spirit of God to come together, one moment for the Word of God, and we're going to unleash the Holy Spirit in our services and in our church. I believe God is looking for the synergy of all of, we have two great, we have two good services, but I believe God's called us together for one great service. And we're going to put down every chair, and we're just going to release the revival of God in North Phoenix, Arizona. Because I just told the Lord, I'm not playing games, I'm not here to have church, I'm here to change a city. I'm here to change people's lives. And I believe by making this switch, it is going to build a momentum that our church desperately needs to create, to open up the doors of revival and a move of God in this city. So in two weeks, we're going to go to 10 o'clock, amen, and we're going to have a blowout service. I'm going to bring a prophetic word that I've been holding back for quite a few months. I've been waiting for God to say yes. He gave me permission for our, our one service on, on I think it's September 12th, and we're going to just let God do what he wants to do, amen. And then we're going to have a party afterwards, the pastors and elders are putting on food, and we're just going to come together as a community strong, amen. But we're going to have to do our part. God, what do you want me to do? This is where church comes together, guys. We have to take care of one another. we got to take care of God's house. Where's the need? What has God called you to do? Let's be faithful to the house of God. Amen. I know a lot of things happen, and you know, I'm not legalistic. I know you guys have classes and things you're doing, but if you can be here, let's say I'm going to be here when I can. I'm going to continue with my tithes and offerings. I'm going to find a place to serve. We really need to come together to do what God's called us to do. Amen. And in that unity, I'm telling you, the force of this church is unstoppable. It's like God is just waiting for us to come together in this moment to really launch what he's called us to do. But first service, I gave the same charge, and they had the same spirit as you guys. They're ready. How many is ready to do something for Jesus? I don't want to talk about it. Let's just do it. Amen. And we're going to see God do some amazing things. So let me pray over you this morning while you're up here. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church that's here, God, and for everyone watching online. Father, for every worker, every musician, every singer, God, everyone in this community of faith builders. I ask, Lord God, that you would stir them up, Lord God. Let them dream again. Let them hope again, God. Let us have a heart for your house, oh God. Stir up our zeal. Stir up 
our passion. I ask God that as Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of them. God, stir up their giftings. Stir up their purposes, God. Stir up the plans. Every discouragement, every lie, every weapon that the enemy has thrown over their hearts to bring disillusionment and failure, Father God, and insecurities. We bind that now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there'll be no selfish ambition in this house, oh God. But we are here to serve you, King. We're here to worship you, God. We're here to win this city, Jesus. We're here to see the lost saved in Jesus' name and the broken healed, Father God. And we thank you, God, as we come together in two weeks, Lord God, we ask that it would be a special moment, a special move. We come with great expectations, Father God, for you to do what only you can do. And we thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout. Woo!